Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your Word. We give you praise and we know that you are with us. We know that we have the Holy Spirit and we are led into all truth today as we go into your Word Open the eyes of our understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, O God, for everything that you have done in our lives. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Right, so today is so important. We're going to begin our text from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 12. And I'll read to you here. It says, Even so ye for as much... As ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. The Bible says that when you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit is actually praying. And it's important that we activate or we engage our spirit to pray. It's one of the gifts that we are given as believers. And then it also says, but my understanding is unfruitful. So I'm going to be defining uh, what praying in tongues mean. And one of the definitions here is that it is beyond the human understanding. You, you don't, your mind is unfruitful. You don't have, have a grasp of what you're actually saying. So it says, but my understanding is unfruitful. In verse 15, it says, what is it? Then I will pray with the spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. And I humorously, you know, would always say that praying with the understanding is the also part of prayer. But the first part of prayer we see here is I will pray uh, with the spirit. I will pray with the spirit. It means that you must be proficient in praying with the spirit and praying with the spirit is speaking in other tongues, generally known as speaking in other tongues. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. If you see how Paul says, I will, Paul talks about the fact that he is consciously making the decision to pray in the Spirit. It's not something that is falling on him, uh, uh, taking over him without his conscious effort or decision. But he's saying that I will pray with the Spirit. So you can decide to pray with the Spirit. A lot of people don't pray in tongues today because they are waiting for some force to move their mouths open before they pray in the Holy Spirit. But you see, if you're going to pray in the Holy Spirit, you've got to learn how to open your mouth and speak and the words will flow. The utterance will be there and it is for you to speak as you are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So to pray with the Spirit means to pray inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to pray with the Spirit. It means to pray inspired by the Holy Spirit. So let's keep reading. It says, And I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 16, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupied the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou said. So what Paul is actually saying here is that when tongues is uh, being spoken of, or when you pray in the spirit of the church, uh, people can't understand what you're saying and nobody knows when you're done with the prayer and in, you know, by extension, they don't know when to say amen. So he's comparing the benefit of prophesying as against praying in the spirit to the church or to the local church assembly. So that's what he's saying here. Look at verse 17, it says, For thou verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So no doubt that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are giving thanks well. But the thing is that the other person who is by your side is not edified because he doesn't hear what you're saying, except he's given the gift of interpretation to understand um, what you just said. So verse 18 says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all then verse 19 yet in the church i had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice i might teach others also than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue so we see here that praying in the spirit is 
praying in an unknown tongue. That's what Paul is, is also saying here. It's not obvious to our understanding. It's not obvious to our understanding. Uh, I want you to see also second point or second definition of what it means to pray in tongues. It's that it is the biblical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you speak in tongues, it is the biblical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And let's take a text from Acts chapter 2 from verse 4. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. We see where the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2 from verse 4. Hallelujah. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let me make you understand this, that when you have utterance, um, utterance is also like an urge that you feel in your spirit. The moment you feel that urge in your spirit, it's left for you to open your mouth and begin to speak. And this is for someone who is probably listening today and you have never prayed in tongues before, but you feel the urge, you feel uh, something pushing you on the inside and that is your key to speak. Utterance is being given to you. So the Bible here says in verse 4 that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. So it's biblical evidence of the fact that uh, you, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's also see Acts chapter 10 verse 43. Acts chapter 10 from verse 43. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Acts chapter 10 verse 43. Yeah, it says, To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Then look at verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word of God. Now, this is the account of Peter in the house of Cornelius. Now, if you remember, Cornelius was a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, right, that the Holy Ghost, uh, as the Holy Ghost came upon them, they began to speak in tongues. Those were the Jews. But the Holy Spirit also fell on the Gentiles while Peter was speaking. If you go back to uh, Acts chapter 8, you will see where the Bible says that the Samaritans, you know, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues when Peter and John laid hands on them, right? But the Samaritans are a mixed race of both the Jews and the Gentiles. So they are not pure Gentiles. They are a, mix, they are a mixture of both the Jews and the Gentiles. But in this case here where Peter is talking to Cornelius, he's speaking to pure Jew, uh, Gentiles, and the Bible says that while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Now, if you notice, Peter did not want to come to the house of Cornelius. Why? Because, you know, he felt like the Jews were superior. And that was why God gave the vision to Peter and he dropped the animals and he said, kill and eat. And he said, why should I um, eat what is unclean? And God said to Peter, why would you call what I have created unclean? And it's important for you to know that God is actually trying to say that if the Jews had received the Holy Spirit, it means that the Gentiles will also receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter, not even laying his hands on the Gentile or on, on Cornelius and his household, the Bible says that while he was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And that is to say to you that at the preaching of the word of God, you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is so powerful. This is an important truth for us to come to know. It says, while he was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell, meaning that there was no segregation between the Jews and the Gentiles. It means that everyone has received the Holy Spirit today. Praise God. And they of the circumcision, verse 45, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. When the Bible says, and they of the circum circumcision, is actually talking about the Jews. So the Jews were surprised that the Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost. And, and you know, God is trying to say that um, um, the prophecy as given to Abraham will be fulfilled here, where he says, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. 
meaning that it's not just the Jews who would be custodians of the Holy Spirit, but the Gentiles. And you and I are Gentiles. No, we're not Jews, right? The Holy Spirit has come, has come, and we are filled and baptized, and we can also speak in tongues. And that's what the scripture here is saying. So let me read verse 45 again. It says, And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And verse 46, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered, So you see here that they, they magnified God as they spoke in tongues, just as in the case of Acts chapter 2, where the Jews on the day of Pentecost began to speak in tongues and they were magnifying God. So also we see here that the Gentiles, when they received the Holy Spirit and they got baptized and began to speak in tongues, they also magnified God. So it's the same experience, meaning that the Gentiles are not inferior to what the Jews had received. And this is a glorious benefit that we have, you know, as people of God. Let me also show you Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. What does it say? It says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. So you see here that they spoke in tongues after the laying on of hands. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak with tongues after hands were laid on them. Let us also see Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. This is the account in Samaria. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Hallelujah. It says... Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. They received the Holy Ghost. Let's look at verse 18. It says, And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So, I mean, how, how, what, what did Simon see that the Holy Ghost was given to the Samaritans? He saw that the Holy Ghost was given to them when he saw them speaking in tongues. So one of the evidences of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the speaking in tongues. And by extension, let me also say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something that should happen only one time in our walk or in our born-again experience. It's not a one-time thing. I've taught this before. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that should happen um, over and over and consistently. And if the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, it also means that when you speak in tongues, you can in turn get filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's an important truth for you to know. Every day is important for you to charge yourself in the Holy Ghost to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Still on definitions of what it means to uh, pray in tongues. Speaking in tongues is also a sign that follows the believer. Let's see Mark chapter 16 verse 17. It is also a sign that follows the, the believer. Mark chapter 16 verse 17. Mark chapter 16 verse 17. It's also a sign that follows the believer. It says, And this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. That's what the Bible says. It says, this sign shall follow them that believe. It's not saying this signs will follow those who are called to be pastors. Or this signs will follow those who are called to be apostles. No. The Bible is saying this signs will follow them that believe. As long as you believe and you put your faith in Christ, it is a sign that will accompany you as long as you embrace it. 
So speaking in tongues is for every believer. Hallelujah. It says in my name they shall cast out devils and they shall speak with new tongues. Praise God. So we have listed out um, three definitions of speaking in tongues. The first one is that it is not obvious to the understanding. And secondly, we said that it is the biblical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, we said it is a sign that follows believers. Now, apart from the fact that speaking in tongues is a sign that follows believers, it is also a sign to unbelievers. It is also a sign to unbelievers. Let me show you a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. Glory to God. It says, Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, that is to unbelievers. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So when we pray in tongues, it is a sign to unbelievers and it draws their attention to what we have received. And through that, Jesus Christ is being preached and they come to receive Christ and they accept the saving knowledge of Jesus. And that's what happened in uh, the Acts of the Apostles when the day of Pentecost came and they began to speak with tongues and people were amazed. Are these people drunk? What is going on? I mean, look at the time. Why are they drunk at this time of the day? And Peter rose up inspired by the Holy Spirit. The tongues that they spoke was a sign to unbelievers and through that, a powerful message was preached by Peter and about 3,000 people received Jesus Christ that day it is a sign and that's why Peter would say things like this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel this is that it says in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh sons and daughters will prophesy you know and uh, dream dreams the old men will dream dreams the young men will see vision and all of that it says this is that which was spoken so it is a sign to unbelievers so when we speak in tongues it is a sign to unbelievers Proving what we have received. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's important for us to understand. And the fourth definition of praying in tongues is that um, it was prophesied of in the Old Testament. Speaking in tongues was prophesied of in the Old Testament. And you see the legitimacy of speaking in tongues from uh, the prophet Isaiah. Let's see Isaiah chapter 28 verse 11. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 11 glory to god isaiah chapter 28 verse 11 what does it say it says for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people he says with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people and that was a, a prophecy from isaiah and you will see where paul confirms the prophecy of Isaiah and he draws inference from that scripture in 1st Corinthians chapter 14 verse 21 so let's see 1st Corinthians chapter 14 verse 21 hallelujah 1st Corinthians chapter 14 verse 21 what does it say it says in the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. So if you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is talking about speaking in tongues. So he drew inference from what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 28. Hallelujah. And it's important for the believer to understand that speaking in tongues is a glorious benefit given to the church. As a believer, learn how to practice the habit of speaking in tongues because it is something that is key and available for the believer today. So, Question, why do we speak in tongues? I'm going to give you four reasons why we speak in tongues. Why do we speak in tongues? The first thing I want to show you is that, number one, speaking in tongues is an effective way that helps us intercede for believers all over the world. Speaking in tongues is an effective way to help us intercede for all believers who are all over the world. And I'm going to show you scripture 
that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're praying for believers all over the world. You don't know all the believers all over the world. In fact, you barely know your extended family members, right? So how much more knowing um, your your family in Christ who are scattered abroad all over the world, all over the nations of the earth. When you pray in tongues, you are effectively praying for someone who is uh, out there somewhere in Ghana, in the Philippines, in the United States, in Canada, in Australia, in Afghanistan. You are praying for all the believers. In Kano, you are praying for the believers who are in distress or someone who is at the risk of losing his faith. You, when you pray in tongues, you are praying for believers that are scattered all over the world. Let me show you scripture. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the Bible says here that when you pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit is when you pray in tongues and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So it means that you effectively pray for all the saints. I mean, you don't know what other people are going through. But the moment you begin to pray in tongues, you can effectively pray for the nations of the world, especially believers who are saints uh, when you pray in tongues. I mean, someday God is going to show you, uh, show us when we get to heaven and he will probably point to you one man in, in, um, in, in, in uh, Iraq who is a believer, who is at the risk of losing his faith, you know, because of persecution. He's, he will probably say to you, when you prayed in tongues, that prayer helped that man. That prayer helped that lady. That prayer helped that young boy when he was attacked, when he was severely going through issues and circumstances. When you were praying in the Holy Spirit, this was the man you helped. This was the woman you were praying for. You never know who you are praying for when you pray in the Holy Spirit. So it's important for you to pray in the Holy Spirit. If you have people you are interceding for and you begin to intercede uh, for them and you pray in tongues, you go into the deepest parts of what their hearts are feeling and you begin to address issues when you pray in the Holy Spirit because you don't have information about what everybody is going through. So when you hear stories of how nations are attacked or how people are attacked, one of the best ways to intercede for those people is to pray in the Holy Spirit. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you address the issues that they are going through. So I want to encourage believers, wherever you are, learn the habit of praying in the Holy Spirit. Begin to pray with tongues because when you do that, you intercede for all the nations, all the saints that are scattered abroad all over the nations and all over the states, especially now that we're going through um, the pandemic and a lot of people are at the risk of losing their faith. You know, one of the things that I, I let people know is that in this season, you must be assured of the love of God for you because the devil will just begin to throw suggestions to many people, making them feel that God doesn't love them because uh, if, if he loves them, why did he send the pandemic? Why did he send this virus to wipe out how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people? But the truth of the matter is the way God has proven his love to us is that while Jesus was hung on that tree, on that cross, he demonstrated his love to you and I. It says, for God demonstrated his love to us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's so important. I don't need anything to prove to me that he loves me. I already know he loves me. The devil is going to throw things at you to make you feel that he doesn't love you. But somebody who doesn't know this is at the risk of losing trust in God and faith. It might even be a close family member. It might be your mom. It might be your father, you know, asking a lot of questions. It might be your children. It might be your brother, your sister, asking a lot of questions. It is important for you to pray for them in the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, they are strengthened wherever they are, all over the nations of the earth. So I think that the church should pray in tongues more um, often than any other time in the history of mankind. Now is the time for us to pray in tongues than ever before. 
because we are going through what we have never gone through before or in this sort or in this nature and and it's important for you to pray in the holy spirit praise god and second reason why we pray in tongues when you pray in tongues it is a portal for other gifts of the spirit when you pray in tongues it is a portal for other gifts of the spirit when i say portal i mean it is a door to open you up to other gifts of the spirit when you pray in tongues and i'm going to show you scripture acts chapter 19 verse 6 we already saw this earlier acts chapter 19 verse verse 6 acts chapter 19 verse 6 what does it say it says and when paul had laid his hands upon them the holy ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied the bible says that they spoke with tongues and prophesied so prophecy as we know um, is one of the gifts of the holy spirit there are about 12 of them 12 of the gifts of the spirit that we see in acts chapter 12 there are probably more but there is 12 that is listed in acts chapter 12 and if you want to uh, learn the, the gifts of the spirit you can break them into three basic categories the utterance gift the power gifts and um, the revelational gifts. God bless Kenneth Hagin for teaching us that. The utterance gift, the gift of prophecy, the gift of speaking with other tongues, uh, the gift of interpretation of tongues, then the power gift to come to the gift of healings, the gifts of healings, actually. Um, you have the gift of working of miracles and you have the gift of faith. That when you come to the revelational gifts, you have the gift of word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and you have the gift of discernment of spirit. So uh, the Bible says that when um, Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So if they spoke with tongues and prophesied, of which prophecy is one of the gifts of the spirit, it means that uh, the door to um, other gifts of the spirit is possible for you to come into when you pray in tongues you open yourself to gifts like faith you open yourself to gifts like word of knowledge you open yourself to gifts like word of wisdom when you pray in tongues i mean i build personally a habit that before i speak before i go up uh, to the podium to preach it's a principle it's it's a godly habit for me that I would engage in praying in tongues because it opens the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is inspired preaching for edification, comfort, and exhortation. So prophecy is inspired teaching. If you're going to flow um, accurately with utterance that is granted to you by the supply of the Spirit, it is important that you know how to speak in tongues. And a lot of people think that prophecy is something that you use only in church. Sometimes it just might be an interview. You might be going for something that is relevant for your business and you're having conversations with certain people. Before you begin to talk, make sure at the backside of in your closet, you pray in tongues as a believer. These are some of the benefits that you have. You pray in tongues and you begin to speak. When you begin to talk, what you say is penetrating the deepermost parts of their hearts, the people who are listening to you. It will provoke holy emotions. It will provoke spiritual responses, right? That the natural mind cannot understand. But when you speak, your word came with power. The moment you said something, it came with power. And that was because you engaged the habit of praying in the Holy Spirit. So I, I always say to people, whenever you're going to do anything, learn how to pray in the Holy Spirit. For example, if you're witnessing the gospel to someone... And you, 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 don't, you probably don't know what to say or how to go about it. You understand the message of the gospel, but you don't know how to go about speaking to this person. And you pray in the Holy Spirit. You, utterance will be given to you. Don't worry about what you're going to say. That's what the scripture says. When you open your mouth, it would fill your mouth with words. So in evangelism, praying in tongues is very key because it helps you to activate some of the gifts of the Spirit of which prophecy is included and you're able to effectively speak and communicate God's mind to someone. So speaking in tongues is powerful. It's one of the means to, you know, um, um, access the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's very important for us to know. Uh, let me also tell you, number three, number three, number three. Why do we need to speak in tongues? We need to speak in tongues because we are strengthened when we, when we pray in the Holy Spirit. When we pray in tongues, we are strengthened. And I, I want to see, uh, show you 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now I'm going to tell you why Paul said, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Right? So Paul is saying that when you uh, prophesy, people can understand you, right? It benefits the people who are hearing you. But if you're praying in tongues, it doesn't benefit the people who are hearing you uh, because nobody understands what you're saying. But look at verse, uh, verse, verse 3. It says, But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. There is a parallel between prophecy and speaking in tongues. And Paul is going to show us the parallel of prophecy and speaking in tongues. So look at verse 4. It says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So you see the parallel here that both of them edify, but speaking in tongue is for self-edification, while prophecy is for the edification of the church. So Paul is saying that if you pray in tongues, you're going to edify the church. But if you, I mean, if you prophesy, rather, you're going to edify the church. But if you pray in tongues, you're edifying yourself. So it means that what prophecy is to the church is what speaking in tongues is to me as an individual. Now let us see what, um, um, let's go back again to uh, verse 3 to see what prophecy is is to the church. It says, but he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and comfort, uh, exhortation and comfort. I want us to see the amplified version of what uh, it says. Verse 4, it says, he who speaks in a strange tongue, hallelujah, edifies and improves himself. Right? But he who prophesies, interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspiration, what does that person do? He edifies and improves the church and promotes growth in Christian, Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. So what the Bible here is saying is that when you pray in tongues, all of the things that prophecy does to the church, it does to you when you pray in tongues. And let us see those things. It says happiness. And this is the reason why praying in the Holy Spirit helps you to deal with many kinds of negative emotions. Especially when you're feeling sad, when you're down. It is important to pray in tongues because the Bible says happiness is one of the things that you receive when you pray in tongues. The one who prophesies brings happiness to the body of Christ. He edifies and he builds the church. It says you improve the church and promote growth in Christian wisdom. You know, when you pray in tongues, you have personal wisdom. You have increase in growth. You have increase in wisdom, in holiness, in piety and in happiness. And what that means is that you just know what to do. And that's why it's important when you pray in tongues, it, it orders you to making right decisions. Even your reflex reactions, your reflex decisions, some of the decisions that you make at imp or on impulses, right? You make those decisions um, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, but there's been a capacity of tongue speaking prior to those decision making moments that you get, you get into. And when you begin to make wise decisions, it is as a result of you praying in tongues frequently. The accuracy level of the one who's always praying in tongues is always high because he's always, he, he, he just kind of knows what to do. 
he just takes the right step. You, you don't know what to do, but even the, your guesses are right guesses. Your contemplations are the right contemplations. Because you give yourself often to praying in tongues. You see, your, your, your level of mistakes are low because you pray in tongues. And this is so important. The Bible says that, you know, importantly, it says that you, um, you improve yourself, you promote growth, you promote Christian wisdom, uh, piety, holiness, you live right. It's, it's not a force to live right. It's not a force to do what is right because you pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, you are happy. You are able to dispel negative emotions, right? And this is so important for everyone to understand. Now, let's look at verse 3. It says, but on the other hand, the one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. So speaking in tongues will do the same thing that prophecy is doing for the church. We see here in verse 3 that prophecy will encourage the church. It will bring about spiritual progress to the church. It will bring about edification or upbuilding for the church. And you know what? When you pray in tongues, you encourage yourself. Whenever you are going through moments that will give you anxiety or you are having a panic attack, look, your first response must be to pray in the Holy Spirit. Because when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are encouraging yourself. Hallelujah. When you are down, when you are scared about something, you are encouraging yourself. When you, you see the news on the TV and it brings some kind of panic attack or you have a heartbreak, see one of the best ways to get out of moments of you know anxiety fear and panic is for you to pray in the holy spirit because it dispels negative emotions it brings happiness the bible says that you encourage yourself when we prophesy to the church we encourage we strengthen and we um we, we comfort the church you know the bible says that david uh, uh, encouraged himself in the Lord. When David went to join the Philistines to fight against the people of God and they chased him away, you know, feeling that he was going to betray them and he came back to Ziklag, he saw that everything was gone. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And one of the ways that we encourage ourselves in the Lord is when we know how to pray in the Holy Spirit. Look, I want you to know that you are a spirit being and because you are a spirit being, your first response to things has to be spirit. You respond in the spirit and you respond by the spirit because you are a spirit being. Our first, our default response to things has to be spiritual responses. Why? Because you are a spirit being. You are not a human being having spiritual experiences. You are a spirit being because you are seated far above principalities and powers. You are seated at the very right hand of God in Christ Jesus, and you are a spirit being having human experiences. So your first and your default response to things has to be spirit and by the spirit. A lot of people hear bad news and the first thing they want to do is to address it carnally or human with human wisdom. Why did you think uh, when the scripture says, if any of you is sick amongst you, let him call for the elders and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. He says, let him call for the elders, not let him go to the hospital. Is there anything wrong with going to the hospital? No, because the, the, the wisdom given to medical doctors or to the scientists is wisdom from God. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going to the hospital, but your default response should be to pray first. He says, let him call for the elders and the prayer of faith. He says, if, if, if any of you is joyful, let him sing. If any of you is going through trouble or afflicted, let him pray. Not calculate, not sit down and call a friend. It's not calling a friend. It's not calling your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your advisor. The first thing you do when you are in trouble, when you are in affliction is to pray. It's a spiritual response. 
Learn how to respond in the spirit. Glory to God. And one of the ways you respond in the spirit is by praying in tongues. Because when you pray in tongues, you do three things. You encourage yourself, you strengthen yourself, and you comfort yourself when you pray in the Holy Spirit. That's what prophecy does for the church. But what you do for yourself personally, you pray in the Holy Ghost. And you encourage yourself, you comfort yourself, and importantly, you strengthen yourself. To strengthen yourself means also to build. It's a systematic building of spiritual capacity that you're ready for whatever the enemy throws at you. You know, the Bible says that um, in the day of adversity, if you fail, it's not because the adversity is strong, but it's because your strength is weak. And when people encounter adversities and they fail in those times or moments of pressure, those moments of, you know, everybody gets to breaking point. But how many people stand in breaking point? Some people don't know how to make decisions when they are under pressure. Some people don't know how to make decisions when they are in breaking point. But you see, when you have built spiritual capacity, you come to that place where your decision making is near accurate, if not accurate, regardless of the fact that you're under pressure or you're going through breaking moments or you're going through overwhelming seasons in your life. And I want you to know that praying in tongues will help you build spiritual capacity. And that's important for you to know. Strengthen yourself. Every day you've been given the gift of praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray the opportunity to pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit and build yourself. Strengthen yourself. Encourage yourself uh, when you're worried about the future. What does the future hold? I mean, what is going to happen to me? Someone, there was a joke. Someone said, I'm not going to count uh, 2020 as part of my years. I'm still the same age in 2021 because 2020, nothing happened in 2020. Look, when moments like discouragement and bad news creeping in 2020, one of the ways you ride above it and get detached from the issues of this life and the pandemic is to pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit, you will rise above the waves of life. Pray in the Holy Spirit, you encourage yourself. Pray in the Holy Spirit, right? So I want you to know that as you do so, God will give you um, supernatural strength by the Holy Spirit. Let me show you something here. Uh, let me show you something here in um, Acts chapter 9, verse, verse 31. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 hallelujah acts chapter 9 verse 31 oh hallelujah praise god somebody praise god praise god if i wherever you are you can pray in the holy spirit wherever you are right now just let's take five minutes and pray in the holy spirit i'm in five seconds and pray in the holy spirit when you do that you encourage yourself you encourage yourself you comfort yourself i sense the comfort of the holy spirit right now upon you as we pray in the holy spirit comfort has been provided for us uh, uh, uh encouragement for 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 you has been given to you um, a strength has been given to you that you will not fail in the day of adversity Hallelujah. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 9 verse 31. It says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And we know one of the ways that we get edified. Praying in the Holy Spirit is one of the ways. This is, And they were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you remember prophecy, it will bring about holiness, piety, happiness, right? Walking in the fear of the Lord, and the Bible says, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I declare upon you that you will walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. The comfort of the Holy Ghost is beyond what man will say to you, is beyond the words of encouragement, of, you know, just carnal encouragement or carnal sayings or motivational speaking. It's beyond any of those things. It's beyond, you know, all those things. It's, it's spiritually inclined and spiritually enabled in your heart. The comfort of the Holy Ghost, you will walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Let's make a confession right now. Let's say I'm walking in the fear of the Lord. I'm walking in the fear of the Lord. And also say with me, I'm in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. 
I am in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I walk in the fear of the Lord. I walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's say that together. I walk in the fear of the Lord and I walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I walk in the fear of the Lord and I walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I pray in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I live my life in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I, 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 I face the new day in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I face the, the issues of life in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I speak to my family members in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I, 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 I do business in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And I want you to know that you are walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glory to God, somebody. Glory to God. Let me show you First uh, Corinthians chapter still verse uh, chapter 14 verse 3 and 4 but let's see the niv version let's see what the niv version says hallelujah glory to god oh i'm walking in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy ghost in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy ghost let's see what the niv version says in um First Corinthians chapter 14, right? That's right. Verse 3, praise God. It says, But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And that's what I said to you. For their strengthening, for their encouraging, and their comfort. The one who prophesies. Anyone who speaks in tongues, verse 4, edifies themselves but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So when you edify yourself, you are strengthening yourself, you are encouraging yourself, and you are comforting yourself. Praise God, somebody. Learn how to strengthen yourself. Learn how to strengthen yourself. Sometimes one of the hardest things to do is to find the right words to say to yourself. Sometimes it's so difficult to convince yourself that all is going to be well. Because if you look at your life's experience, Right, it, that's what you see. That's what you hear. That's what you feel. Uh, it's different from your your position in Christ that you don't see, you don't hear, you don't feel, but you just know that this is who I am in Christ. And one of the ways you bring your emotions, you realign your emotions from your experience to your position, is by praying in the Holy Ghost. And when you do so, you strengthen yourself. You encourage yourself and you comfort yourself. You bring happiness to your soul when you pray in the Holy Ghost. So sadness is a choice. Depression is a choice. You have the choice to pray in the Holy Ghost and get out of sadness. Don't protect the feeling of sadness. Don't protect your, your, your depression. Don't guard your, 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 your depression. Don't guard your sadness. Don't guard that moodiness. Don't guard it. Don't guard it. Expose it to walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost and you will receive strength as you pray in the Holy Spirit. You will receive strength as you uh, as, as you as you will be encouraged as you pray in the Holy Spirit and you will be comforted as you pray in the Holy Spirit. And it's so important for you to understand this principle. I think uh, we've gotten the point of strengthening, capacity building for the day of adversity and you being encouraged. Learn how to encourage yourself. Don't wait for anybody to do so. If the encouragement comes from someone else, praise God. Praise God. But you must learn how to encourage yourself. And one of those ways is by praying in the Holy Ghost. And number four, important for us to understand. Number four, when we pray in tongues, we build spiritual immunity against false teachings and false doctrines. Against false teachings and doctrines. You build spiritual immunity against false teachings and false doctrine. It's so important. Uh, in in uh, today's world, there's so many kinds of teachings that are flying around town. And, and, and those things are designed to shipwreck the faith of many people who have believed. And I want you to know that it is important that you stick with the gospel of the grace of God. Stick with that gospel because that is what we are called to preach. If you see what Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28 says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. It says, Christ whom we preach. Christ is who we preach. 
I mean, if, if you are, you, you hear everything but Christ, that is, not, that is not the doctrine of God. If you hear Moses, if you hear Elijah, I mean, you hear um, um, Zechariah, you hear about the Old Testament prophets, and you don't hear Christ, you don't hear Christ, that is not the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That is not the gospel that is recommended for the body of Christ. Paul said something to the Corinthian church. He said, for I've determined not to know any other thing other than Christ and him crucified. So I don't want to know any other thing. I didn't come with the enticing words of man's wisdom, you know, but I came with a demonstration of the spirit and power. And I don't want to know any other thing other than Christ and him crucified. And that's what Paul said. The Bible says, you know, in still that Corinthians, it says that the Jews are seeking a sign. The Greeks are seeking, you know, um, um, you know, wisdom. But Christ is who we preach. Christ, right, is both the wisdom of God and the power of God. He says we preach Christ. To the Jews, the preaching of Christ is a stumbling block. And to the Gentiles or to the Greeks, it is foolishness. It doesn't make sense. But it says, to those who are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the wisdom of God to the Greeks and the power of God to the Jews. So Christ is all that we need. Christ is, he's more than enough. The teaching of Jesus Christ is more than enough. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And that's who we preach. We preach Jesus. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. The church is not a motivational hall or a synagogue or a hall where people preach and don't talk about Christ. The summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the summary of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 1 down to verse 4. That's the summary of the gospel. So Christ is who we preach. Hallelujah. So when you pray in tongues, you immune yourself from getting into errors, from getting into false doctrines and false teachings. Is one of the key ways to deepening your conviction of what you understand that Christ has done for you. Let me show you some things. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. First Timothy chapter 4. Oh, hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. What does it say? It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The Bible says that some will depart from the faith. Some will depart from the faith. And this is the danger right of hearing what is wrong hearing false doctrine it is a danger since now the spirit speaking expression in the later times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils seducing spirits and doctrines of devils now let me point out something to you here that if you want to know um what kind of spirit is an operation check the doctrine it says, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And doctrines of devils. If you want to know what kind of doctrine, uh, what kind of spirit is in operation, look at the doctrine. If the doctrine is not in consistency with Christ, you, you can tell that that's not the operation. That's not the spirit of God in operation. So you must be careful what spirit you are putting yourself under. It has to be the right doctrine of Jesus Christ. It says, speaking lies in hypocrisy in verse 2, having their conscience seared with hot iron. Praise God. And let me also show you another scripture. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. Glory to God somebody. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. It says, oh hallelujah. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slay of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We can't afford to be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. 
praise God, carried away by every wind of doctrine and the slay of men and cunning craftiness. You must watch out for what you hear. You must make sure that you submit yourself and subject yourself to the right teachings that are inconsistent, uh, that are consistent to the teachings of Christ. And, and that's very important for you to know. Praise God. Let me show you more scriptures. More scriptures. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. I love this. Hallelujah. I hope you're getting blessed today. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. It says, Beware. Beware lest anyone spoil you. Whatever is not after Christ, don't give yourself to that. Let me show you something lastly in 2 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 15. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God, somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 15. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 16 says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And verse 17, it says, And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. And overthrow the faith of some. And this is so important for you to know, right? That many people will creep in with different kinds of doctrines and it will make, it will, it will, it will overthrow the faith of so many people. So you have to be careful, my friends and believers all over the world, the kinds of doctrines that you hear. Doctrine is so powerful. Doctrine is so powerful. In the last days, Men will give into seducing spirits. See, let me tell you why the Bible says seducing spirits. It says seducing spirit because it will not be obvious that they are wrong. That's why it uses the word seducing. Seducing, to seduce is something that comes, you know, um, in a very cunning way. So it would have the form of godliness but denying the power of God. And that's what is seducing. It's seductive. It is attractive. Whatever is attractive and Christ is not found in it, leave it alone. Because Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's all you need. If you don't hear Christ, if you don't hear the, the death of Jesus and what his blood has done for you, if you don't understand uh, the, the, who the believer is in Christ, if you don't hear all of those things, the finished work of, of Jesus Christ on the cross and everything drawing its importance from the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that's not doctrine that is consistent with the scripture. So they are seducing spirits and the seducing spirits are in operation because of the wrong teachings like I said to you earlier. But how do you now deal with um, this kind of teachings and seduction that is going on around the world? And I told you that prayer, especially in tongues, will help you build immunity against false teachings and false doctrine. Now let us go to Jude, Jude 1, praise God, Jude 1, we're going to read all the way down, Jude 1, hallelujah, it says, Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called Oh, hallelujah. I love the fact that it says, and preserved in Jesus Christ. And preserved in Jesus Christ. Now it says, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Verse 3, it says, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, the common salvation, which is the faith, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So he says, contend for that faith. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord or our God 
into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying that there are some people who have crept in and they are transposing the grace of God. They are going ahead telling people that it's okay to do what you want to do because God has forgiven you. We call them the libertines. Now these people are not preaching, that's not grace. They are not preaching, they are not one of us. They are not a part of us. That tell people it's okay to go ahead and do what you want to do just because God has forgiven you of all your sins. That is not grace. It's saying that these people crept in and they have turned the grace of God uh, into lasciviousness. Look at verse 5. It says, I would therefore put you in remembrance through ye, uh, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he had reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 8, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a reigning accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But this speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of course. So you see here, right, that uh, 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 in the writing of Jude, he's talking about those who have erred, right? And he's saying to the people, contend earnestly for the faith. The ones which I first, which was delivered to you initially. Now we're going to come all the way down, right? And we would see verse, verse, let's start from verse 18. It says, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lost. These are the events of the last days in verse 19. This by, this be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit but look at verse 20 it says but you but ye beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith now when the scripture talks about your most holy faith here yeah, if you remember in the early in the early verse it says contend earnestly for the faith so he's saying here but you beloved it means it cancels uh, you it, it it's it separates you from the errors of those people who walked and erred in the truth or in the right doctrine. It says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves... Now, now, I want to show you something here. It says, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, comma, praying in the Holy Ghost, comma, keeping yourselves in the love of God, comma, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. These are four statements. I know if we often read it this way, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how we read it before. But you see, uh, the writer here is saying that there are four things that will help you stay immune to false doctrine and not erring because of many who have crept in unawares. And he says the first thing here is building up um, yourselves on your most holy faith, and what that means is to consolidate on what you have learned about Christ. So that's what it means. And then number two, it says praying in the Holy Ghost. So one of the, let me start again. How do you get immunity against wrong teaching and doctrine? Number one, build yourselves on your most holy faith. That's number one. And what is building yourselves on your most holy faith? It is consolidating your understanding and knowledge in Christ. So that when you learn Christ, you know what is not of Christ. And then number two, praying in the Holy Ghost is what helps you build immunity. Because it says that, um, um, you know, contend earnestly for the faith. So you build Im immunity by praying in the Holy Ghost. And number three, you keep yourself 
in the love of God. When you keep yourselves in the love of God, you are likely um, not going to deviate to what is not Christ. You will keep yourself in his love and you will stay firm-footed in the doctrine of Christ. You will not be like a child who is tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And number four, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And what does that mean? It means that you are anticipating his coming. There is a glorious benefit for those believers who are waiting for the, the, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, the anticipated coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So first thing, build yourselves on your most holy faith. Secondly, praying in the Holy Ghost. Thirdly, keep, uh, keep keeping yourselves in the love of God. And fourthly, looking forward to the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you immune yourself from errors. You keep yourself right with the correct doctrine of Jesus Christ that is necessary for the building of your faith. And I hope you've been blessed knowing the benefits of speaking in tongues and praying in the Holy Ghost, of which we said that praying in tongues opens portals of other spiritual gifts. The Bible says it's found to flame the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that are inside of you. And one of the ways you find to flame the gifts that are inside of you is by praying in the Holy Ghost. A lot of you have a lot of great gifts, the gift of prophecy, the gift of word of knowledge. You never know because you have not um, engaged yourself in these gifts. My father taught me something one day uh, when he was teaching. He says one of the ways that you engage yourself and you stir the gift is by prayer and practice. And I believe what he meant by prayer there is praying in the Holy Spirit. You pray in the Holy Spirit, you stir your gifts, and then you practice. You exercise yourself in godliness, and you begin to practice these gifts. These things are for the edification of the saints and for the body of Christ. So find to flame that gift that you have inside of you. You would never come to the realization of the gift if you are not prayerful. You may never come to the realization of the gift if you are not prayerful. Prayer is one of the keys, especially praying in tongues. And we also said that when you pray in tongues, you are praying for all the brethren, the saints that are scattered all over the world. And that's very key. We also said that when you pray in tongues, um, you are strengthened, you are encouraged, and you are comforted. You're walking in the fear of the Lord, and you're walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And fourthly, we also said that when you pray in tongues, you immune yourself uh, so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but you are kept in the love of God. You are kept in the patient waiting of the coming of Christ. And my friends, I just want to encourage you, learn the habit, build godly habits of praying in the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, let's just pray in the Holy Spirit for just a minute. As you pray in the Holy Spirit right now, comfort is coming on you and, and on your spirit right now, the comfort of the Holy Ghost, praying the Holy Ghost wherever you are, praying the Spirit wherever you are, you are encouraged right now. As you pray, you are encouraged right now, you are strengthened. Capacity is being built right now as you pray in the Holy Spirit. It has come upon you right now. The wisdom of what to do, wisdom knowing what to do, the right decisions, knowing the right things to do, the right words to say, the spirit of prophecy is activated as you pray in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began to speak with tongues and they prophesied. So as you pray in the Holy Ghost, uh, you are opening yourself to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Healings is made available right now. You lay your hands on that sick and the sick will recover. Pray in the Holy Spirit. You know what to do. It's your first response when you hear calamity, when you hear bad news, when you hear things that are not godly, when you hear things that would stir up fear and panic and anxiety. The first thing you do is you pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father, O oh God, because as we know that we have these things as assured to us by the Word of God, we have come into the reality of the benefits of praying in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I believe that this concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.